Imagine a world where men stepped up and answered God's call to reach their full potential. Imagine a world where men put their faith and trust in God unwaveringly and without qualification. Imagine a world where men lived out God's purpose for them in everything they do. It's not my credit to take explores the awe and wonder of how God shows up in the lives of strong, principled Christian men from all walks of life. Get ready to laugh, to cry, and to be transformed. I'm your host, Dr. Ed Slover, faithful husband, loving father, loyal friend, and unapologetically Christian. Welcome to the It's Not My Credit to Take podcast. Noble, how are you today? Amazing, Big Ed. It's good to see you, bro. Good to see you. It's like we just did this. <laughs> we just did this. So a couple of quick things. Uh, for those who aren't listening to this on YouTube, you have to tune into YouTube. Noble is an absolute character. I mean, his, his charisma just absolutely radiates. The other is this is the third time that we've tried to coordinate this. We had some scheduling snafus the first time. We had some major technical difficulties the second time. And as we chatted before jumping on is that, you know, we're going to, we're going to defeat the enemy if nothing else, because of our persistence and perseverance. Yep. My guest today is, yeah, hundred percent. My guest today is Noble Gibbons. A number of weeks ago, Noble and I took part in presenting content during a recent Rising Leaders Summit, and I was blown away, impressed by his presentation and his unapologetic reference to his faith. And I had to have him on the show. During his talk, he opened up about a time where he was quote emotionally clueless. He found himself yelling at his wife, having a short fuse with his daughter not living up to his potential, and he didn't know why. Then he learned he needed to work through his emotions and feelings, which was something utterly foreign to him. Today, Noble is the owner of EQ Gangster, where he teaches leaders how to get their emotions working for them rather than working against them. And by doing so, these leaders are able to use their emotions to be more empathetic decision makers instead of letting their emotions control them. He's a certified emotional intelligence practitioner, corporate speaker and trainer, executive leadership coach, and the host of the EQ Gangster podcast. As a bald, tattooed former army ranger, Noble gets straight to the point with the people he helps. He's extraordinary at what he does, and he has an infectious personality. He's been married to his wife for 28 years, and together they have a 16-year-old daughter. Noble, welcome back to the it's not my credit to take podcast <laughs> big ed bro i'm stoked man thank you not like colorado stoked but like i'm stoked <laughs> to be brother Holy <laughs> excited, man. well if 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 the state legislatures throughout the country are like that of colorado the the country is going to be stoked here in a, another couple of years there's just no doubt right yeah that's right that's right. That's right. So in, in learning about you beyond you know, watching your presentation during the Rising Leaders Summit, I learned that you love Brazilian jiu-jitsu and Taco Tuesday equally. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So so a couple things. One, if 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 you're familiar with the book, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman, yes. one of my love languages is mexican acts of culinary service so <laughs> so I, I am all about some mexican food brother in fact i have a for those your your youtube viewers i have a taco tattoo so yes so does. i am all about some mexican food and there's there's backstory so i'm actually my mom's a four foot ten little hispanic lady and she actually raised me speaking spanish and five years ago, six well, it's probably eight years ago now, I had a medical procedure, something wrong with my gut. I don't remember exactly, uh, pancreatitis. And from too, under some, too many tacos? Too, probably <laughs> <laughs> too many tacos. That's exactly <laughs> right. And so, like a, a gallstone got stuck. And so it, it was aggravated the bile duct or whatever. Anyway, coming off of anesthesia, and evidently I was giving a motivational talk about tacos. And so my <laughs> wife, of course, pulled her phone out, videoed it, stuck it on my YouTube channel. And now if you want to learn some deep things about life and Jesus and encouragement, go check out Noble's Taco Talk 
on YouTube. <laughs> so that's the Mexican food. And then jujitsu, jujitsu is my therapy. That is, I've been doing jujitsu for seven years now. And mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, it has just been an absolute game changer in, in, in my growth, in my say, sustaining and maintaining. And God teaches me so many different lessons through, through jujitsu, my, you know, combat cuddling, tactical hugging, struggle snuggles. We do it all, <laughs> brother. Absolutely love it. <laughs> That's outstanding. My my family actually just tested for black belt in February in Shotokan karate. And every cliche about martial arts is, is true. Now, this was born out of my daughter at near the end of seventh grade feeling physically threatened by one of her former friends' friendship groups. And up until that point, she was lukewarm about martial arts. But I'm like, look, darling, you're not going to be a ninja. That's not the goal here. The goal is if you're ever in a scrape, get out of this. You can get out of the scrape. And what she learned and my other daughter learned is this quiet confidence. In addition, and I have to share this story with you. In it, this is great. At the start of eighth grade, I asked her, I'm like, is anyone messing with you? And she's like, no, everything's good. And about a week later, I asked her again, is, is everything okay? Is it no, no one's threatening you? She's like, no. And I looked at her. She was sitting in the front seat. I'm like, darling, is it possible that you let it be known that you're taking karate? <laughs> and she looks at me with this wry smile and she's like, maybe. <laughs> I mean, genius, Noble, genius. So with, with jujitsu, is this something that you do on your own or do you involve your, your wife and daughter? Yeah, great, great question. So my daughter's been rolling for th probably three years. And, gotcha. you know, she's an only child. And so she doesn't have any, you know, big brothers or brothers to, to, you know, protect her and that kind of thing. And, and I told, I told her, I said, look, Amor, you know, I'm not going to, you know, at some point God's going to call me upstairs, which may as happen as soon as tomorrow or next week. And I'm not going to be always around and available to protect you. And you need to be able to handle your business. And so your, you know, chances of you getting jumped by another small petite, teenager girl is probably pretty slim yeah. more often than not it's going to be you know bigger guy and so i want you to feel comfortable in very close proximity to a, a man larger than you and and be able to handle yourself you know god willing right i mean you, you know let's i mean obviously you throw in weapons and that kind of stuff it's a whole other ball game but sure uh just calling just straight hand to hand but e but even that right because one of the things i love about jujitsu is that is that after after every class, there's live rolling, and it's one of the few martial arts that you can go 100% and still be able to protect your training partner without inflicting like a broken eye, broken nose. I mean, you know, over the lobe or broken bones, right? Because it's 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 yeah. it's low impact, right? You're not you're not there's no strikes, and so you can go 100% in a you know real life training scenario and uh, among people which i also love is among people that are all different sizes big big guys like me little skinny folks men women teenagers you know all you get the whole gamut and i wanted not only for me but my daughter to be able to experience and feel comfortable with whatever the whatever that body size or type is she will feel comfortable in in that scenario, number one, the physical proximity, because that's a whole nother level of discomfort or just having somebody in your business, right? It's one dynamic. Yeah. But then the second dynamic is what is it like when your blood is pumping and you are in a physical altercation with somebody at a hundred percent? What is that? What's the mental, emotional component, you know? And so if you've never had reps at a hundred percent, you can hope that you would respond a certain way but you're not sure unless you do it and so you know that's something that after every jujitsu class you live roll and and i man it's it's amazing so it's it's one of the first lessons i tell the 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 white belts and stuff that i that i work with and stuff is like look listen to your breathing and oftentimes they're 20 30 years younger than me and then listen to my breathing mm. i'm calm as a cucumber and you're hyperventilating your performance will match your breathing. Mm. So if your breathing is spazzy, so will your performance will be spazzy. I'm calm as a 
as pond water, so is my rolling. I'm I'm a very slow, calm roller. So it's it's you know, and that's why when I'm in, if I ever get in a combat conflict situation where it's an altercation, I want to be the one out of the two of us that's or three of us or how many is in, in, involved that is staying calm as calm as possible with a skill set and tool set that hopefully my opponent would not have. Yeah. How, how did you come about jujitsu? Was that something that you, uh, that you were attracted to when you were an army ranger or is this, you know, post your military career and, um, or has there been any, any crossover in, in those two different types of training? Yeah, great question. So I, I did Taekwondo when I was a little kid from five years old to 12 years old. So for seven years, you know, got my black belt, you know, as a kid, but, uh, um, anyway, so, so did ta- Taekwondo, but as, so, so then my daughter was maybe by the, when my, my daughter was like four, you know, I, you know, we homeschool. So I was like, okay, well, I want, I'm like, okay, kid, like I want you to start doing some physical stuff, but like ballet or and not knocking any of these, right. But ballet and gymnastics and, you know, some of these other activities while are great physical activities, you're not learning a, a, an actual skill, like in terms of self-defense, right. You're not, you do ballet or you're doing gymnastics. Like you're not going to, that it doesn't not do anything against an opponent. So, so I wanted it to be a physical. So I want to kill two birds, one stone, a physical activity with, some self-defense t- skill sets as well. And I knew for me that I'm, I'm too old to get punched in the face. I'm not trying to do Muay Thai and I'm not trying to do, you know, the, the, you know, the big striking things anymore, just cause I'm old dude and I don't want to get punched in the head, my head anymore. And so I'm like, okay, well, what's, what's something. And then, and then I'm a UFC guy. I've been following UFC ultimate fighting championship, yeah. mixed martial arts for, for decades. And so from like the very beginning. And so like, I'm like, well, let's, let's try to, let's, let's try out jujitsu. And initially it was just for my daughter, but then, you know, three, three or four months into it, I'm like, man, I can't, I hate watching my kid roll without me being on the mats with her. So I'm like, let me turn this into my, my daughter's love language is quality time. So let me, let's, let's do this together and we can learn kind of, kind of together. And so it, it's been just a tremendous, tremendous blessing. And then the military, we did combatives in the military and, and, you know, of course, which also involves striking and stuff, and so which was which was super fine. But we did do we did do some some combatives. But when I was in the, the military back back when I was in was not was not learning across the board yet jujitsu and and that kind of thing. Um, it was still combatives, but just not as focused and dialed in as as jujitsu was. But but um, anyway, so there's definitely some some crossover for sure. Got it. It's an interesting combination, you and your daughter. Her love language is quality time. Yours is Mexican cuisine. <laughs> it's an interesting combination there. <laughs> That's Noble. right. Well, so check this out, Ed. You'll appreciate this. So after every jujitsu class, this is when we were first starting out, literally a, a hundred yards away from the jujitsu gym was my favorite burrito shop. Don Ramones. So we would go to, we would go to get a burrito after every <laughs> jiu-jitsu class. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. A, a, a convenient distraction. I'm sure. Uh, it, so switching gears a little bit during the rising leader summit that you and I were on, you described yourself as having a PhD in being addicted to people pleasing, being emotionally needy, triggered easily and often, unaware of how others perceived you, terrible at handling conflict, overwhelmed by details, and continually engaging in self-sabotage. I mean, that's quite an admission, especially in a pub- public forum. I, I suppose you know the, the likelihood where we're going to come across those people again is very low. But even in light of that, you had confidence enough to, to you know, communicate that openly and unapologetically. And you've you've moved beyond a lot of that. So what, what changed for you? So, so, okay. So a couple thoughts, a couple thoughts. One, 
you, you only mentioned about five or six of my dysfunctions. <laughs> it's actually a much larger <laughs> list, probably about 40 or 50 dysfunctions out there. Uh, number one, number two, you can impress people with your mountaintops or impact them with your valleys. Mm. And I would much prefer impacting people, not impressing people. Everybody can relate with valleys. So my style of leadership is the dirty underwear style of leadership where I want to show you the junk in my trunk. I want you to learn from the junk in my trunk <laughs> and from my corresponding <laughs> lessons learned. So that's, that's, that's why I do, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm very vulnerable. And on my podcast, it's, it's all, that's what I talk about, man, is here's how I failed today. Here's, here's what I did today that was stupid, right? Here's what I learned from my mistakes. So yeah, vulnerability is big for me because um, I think you can learn from other people's. Me, I, I learn from other people's mistakes. So I'm like, okay, well, let me just share my mistakes and hopefully other people can learn from my mistakes, right? So uh, for, for me, how did I get there? So what, what brought me there was five, probably five years ago now, I yelled at my wife three times in three weeks and she said three things. Number one, don't ever do that again. Number two, you've never done that before, which means three, you've got more issues than Time Magazine. And I'm like, snap. So we went to counseling therapy. The therapist introduced me to two revolutionary topics, groundbreaking, cutting edge topics called feelings and emotions. And I was like, bro, no idea what you're talking about. I wasn't issued those in the army. WTF, <laughs> right? Where are the fajitas? And so, and so two years, uh, I, I applied a very intentional emotional fitness program. And two years into that emotional fitness program, all these big rocks in my life started to transform for the better and improve and change for the better. My faith, so my relationship with the Lord, my marriage, my parenting, my finances, our fitness, my fitness, my business, like everything started improving. Like, went to my wife, I'm like, babe, has this all been because I've been emotionally dysfunctional? And now I've finally been taking ownership of the, the emotional junk in my trunk. I'm like, I got to start a podcast sharing all that stuff and my lessons learned because I can't be the only emotionally clueless guy out there. There's got to be other nobles out there that if they've heard maybe one or two of the things that I've learned, maybe it will speed up their growth or start their growth or, or whatever. And so that's that's what led that's what led to all this. You referenced an emotional fitness program, and the the results of that you know, improvements in your relationship with the Lord, with your with your spouse, with your business. I can only assume with yourself. Can you maybe outline a couple of details? What comprises an emotional fitness program? Yeah, that's that's excellent. That's excellent. So. So th th there are a number of different tools and, and, and more recently, the last three or four years because of, you know, COVID, the, the pandemic stuff and, hey, social distancing and isolate yourself and lock yourself in your houses and never leave or everyone's going to die, which, which the, the irony in all that biggest media push in the history of mankind regardless of how you feel about whatever you land on all that stuff, I don't care, but it's the reality is I don't know that there's ever been a marketing push that hard ever in the, since I've been alive anyway. Agreed. And when you lock up and isolate relational social beings, a lot of issues are going to happen and they did, but nobody talked about it. Yeah. Divorce, uh, uh, domestic abuse, domestic violence, depression, suicide, all these addiction, all these things trip like one, two, three hundred percent increases yep. in all those things. But of course, we, you know, we were not talking about that. So, so the emotional fitness, it has been hot the last few years. And which is great. I'm very thankful because it's, you know, it, it was the right at the time when I started my podcast, emotional fitness is, is j just like spiritual fitness as important as spiritual fitness is as, as important as physical fitness is. How many of us do emotional fitness? 
like when would we ever say, Oh, Ed, I went to church, you know, 25 years ago, like me and God are tight. Like, uh, bro, like, you know, Hebrews 10, 24, like do not give up the habit of meeting together and encourage each, each other daily or whatever that was like that verse. Right. So it's like, it's like, you know, we, God designed us for relationships. Yes. So the same thing with, so, so then now physical fitness. Well, we also know that physical fitness is important. Like, Hey, Ed, I worked out, you know, 25 years ago. Like I'm good. I'm in shape. No McFly. You can't just work out one. Like it's gotta be the same thing with our emotional fitness, but how many of us do it? All right. So what is it? So, so for me, it has been the intentional process of looking under my emotional hood every day with curiosity versus critique, condemnation, and judgment. Now, even that is a process because I could never do that before four or five years ago. There was no such thing as looking under the hood with just curiosity without condemnation, uh, critique and, 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 uh, and judgment there, it didn't exist. The only way, and, and that's why I didn't do it. That's why I never did emotional fitness because every time I opened up the emotional hood or opened that door into my emotions, what would come raging out would be self-condemnation, self-hatred, self-sabotage, uh, in, 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 gallon in tons like it you know and so i was terrified i was terrified and that's why i never did any emotional work before i was terrified mm -hmm. to look under my emotional bed like what what monsters am i going to find under my emotional bed and if and when the emotional monsters pop out i don't know any jujitsu moves <laughs> to roll with these emote with these monsters these emotional mm -hmm. monsters right and so I had to learn some emotional moves, some emotional jujitsu moves, some tools, so that when anger, sadness, depression, frustration, rejection, disappointment, whatever came came out, now I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Hey, depression, I've rolled with you before. Hey, dude, let's let's roll. Let's get some mat time in. Okay, here comes anger. Okay, cool. Hey, I remember you. I've, I've rolled with you before. Like, yeah, dude, let's let's get some rolls in. Okay, now, so now when these big, strong, intense emotions pop up. Now, finally, thank God, I can I can roll with them without fear and trepidation, but with, again, curiosity and a mindset of discovery. What can I learn about God through this emotion? What can I learn about myself through this emotion? Yeah. And God, what, what lesson are you trying to teach me with this emotion or with this this package of emotions based on this scenario. What, 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 what am I supposed to learn from this? So now it's like a, it's, it's the process. Emotional fitness is the process of, of learning to read the emotional dashboard on my car of Noble's life of my, of my life. I'm learning to read the fuel. Oh, what's the fuel gauge? Well, what's the E mean? And what's the F mean? And okay. Full. I mean, it's empty. Okay. Got it. What's the, What's the oil thing or it says, oh man, that's, uh, it's, if it goes up here, it's hot. It's, if, I mean, it's, it's full, it's empty. The engine thing is heat. It's hot or it's cold, right? So I'm just learning to read the different emotional gauges on my dashboard. That's the process of emotional fitness. Um, and, and of course, there's actual tools and I can talk about that later too if you want. But anyway, that's emotional fitness to me. So you, you, you've referenced your relationship with God a number of times so far in this conversation I'm curious because what you, you, when you came to the realization that you had to you had to address your feelings and emotions it was as a result of having a short fuse with your daughter it was a, a, as a result of you yelling at your wife three times in as many weeks how much of that experience for you as you were going through that was did you feel like that God was basically grabbing you by the collar to trying to get your attention to say, hey, look, maybe you should start turning toward me a little bit more on this and I'll help you you know, navigate through this. Is, is there any any truth to that with your life? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So here, here's my disclaimer. My disclaimer is I don't know that 
that today I don't know that I have a complete, full understanding of the relationship between the spiritual and the emotional. I'm still learning this. I'm still trying mm-hmm. to figure this out. But I will tell you a couple, a couple things, a couple thoughts about about the little bit that I do understand or that I think I understand about the relationship between emotions and and the spiritual. There's a great book by Pete Scazzaro who wrote a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And the tagline of his book says, it's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And that, like my head exploded when I first read that. I'm like, what? Like, because I... I had no, I had no, and I wish I, I could, I could like explain how clueless I was at like, when I'm telling you, I had no concept or understanding of, of emotions or at all. Like, so then to think like, like you said, like, Hey, so what, you know, you know, for however you asked that question, like was, how was God like connected or related to your emotion? Like, back in the days that I've been like, what are you talking about? Like, that's the dumbest question I've ever heard in my life. Like there's, (laughs) there is no relationship between God and emotions. Like what, like emotions are not relevant. They're not important. Right. Like that's how I would have answered before. Like, what are you talking? You know, I just, I, I had no concept. And so, so, and here's what's fascinating is now understanding a little bit about emotions now after four years of doing it every day, you know, and working through some stuff is, Number one, I believe God created us, right? Number one. Number two, which means I also believe that God created emotions. Yep. And so three, when in my lifetime and when in probably 99% of Christians' lifetimes, have we ever been taught about emotions? Which I'm going to argue is a fairly important thing that affects our relationship, not just with God, but also our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. But yet, dude, I've been at church for almost five decades now, and there has been a four-week church service out of whatever, however many, so call it 50 years for easy math, 50 years, so how many weeks is 50 years? That's a truckload of weeks. And and I've been to church 99% of those weeks over the course of 50 years, And I've had four weeks out of 50 years that a pastor ever talked about emotions. Wow. Ever. Right. And and so, so then in what other setting am I going to get training on emotions? You know, oh, you should get like, I I have no, anyway, I didn't, I didn't get it. So, so I know God made emotions. I know God made us. So. In fact, I was doing. I had a. I had a um, coaching client this this morning actually, and and, and I said, look, so there's some Christians who can can like, and this is how I grew up, can learn God's word and memorize Bible verses, and and okay, if you have an issue or challenge with with food, then memorize some Bible verses about what God says about uh, you know the body being the temple, and if you have some issues with anger, then memorize some Bible verses about anger, and, right? So. That was how I learned it as a kid. Now, I'm, again, I'm almost 50. So like, you know, every, like God's word was the answer to everything. If your toe hurt, well, it's because you're not memorizing enough of God's word, right? If you, if you, you know, you're, you're, you're ate too much and you're fat, like, oh, you just haven't prayed and fasted enough. And if you like, and so everything was like God's word. And so, and, and I, there, I know a couple of Christians that they, they went cold turkey on drugs and sex and rock and roll because they got saved and boom, they had no more issues in their life. Well, that's not how it worked out for me. I was emotionally clueless for almost 50, because call it 45 years. And dude, I, I, I have memorized a truckload of God's word. Like a lot of the New Testament I have memorized can quote Bible and verse and reference. And I have been emotionally clueless for four years decades. So for me, just memorizing God's word and, and, and pursuing God's word and the fasting and praying and all the church answers wasn't enough for noble. And I'll get it. I'm just one anecdote. So I'm not saying, but for me, I, I needed, 
I needed to to explore, let God into the emotional part of my life. And, and I had some actual work to do emotionally in order for me to deepen and develop my relationship with the Lord. It's almost like this. If you're fat, well, you don't need to work out. You just need to memorize more Bible verses. Like, no, like you, you can't like eating a gallon of Ben and Jerry's every day and memorizing God's word. You, you actually have to change some behaviors somewhere in there. Right. So actual, like, going to church more and memorizing and praying and fasting is not going to help you lose 50 pounds. Right. So like, so, so it's, it's a similar concept and again, I haven't got it totally dialed in yet, but you, you know, you, you, there's some actual emotional work that I had to do in order to even deepen my relationship with the Lord. Uh, so anyway, I don't know if I totally answered your question, but that's, that's kind of, I, I, I had to, I had to do some emotional work. Yeah, in order in order to deepen my relationship with the Lord, I guess is where is where is where what I would say. And, and what I took away from that is that these aren't mutually exclusive things, right? So you're striving for a deeper spiritual connection with God can serve as the impetus to start healing emotionally, and starting you know emotional healing can strengthen the relationship with the Lord. So there, I mean, there, there's this, this interplay. I mean, we're, we're whole integrated beings, right? We have to account for spiritual, psychological, emotional, and, and spiritual health. And as you were talking, I was, I was thinking about the Franciscan friar, Richard Rohr. And in his book, Falling Upward, he talks about the, the two halves of our lives, where the first half is you know, filled with a whole bunch of learning how the world works. We, we move at, from little kids that seek validation from adults to social validation. If for no other reason, we have to cooperate with these people in the world. And then we reach a point in midlife where we look back at the first half of our life and realize that it's lar largely ego-based, money, status, material acquisition. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. It's an important part of it. But we, we realize that it's largely unfulfilling. And in order to transition to the second half of life successfully, we need to address certain things about the first half of our life, not the least of which is the lingering and residual pain that we've brought into the present moment. With all of that said, how were you able to go back to the previous version or versions of yourself? Look at that version of you with compassion rather than critique, condemnation, or judgment. And basically give that version of you a hug and said, thank you. You coped how you coped, but this isn't helpful anymore to my life now or going forward. How are you able to, A, face that pain after you recognize that it existed, and B, em em embrace the fact that that part of you no longer serves you as you move forward in the second half of your life? Money. Money question. Again, four years ago, five years ago, I thought that would be a totally lame question, right? Like, hug your former self. Come on, Ed. Like, let's stop with the pocus pocus mambo jumbo <laughs> stuff, right? <laughs> But now that's fire, right? So here's a couple thoughts. One is because now I get it, right? Pre before I'm like, dude, you're smoking crack. But now I'm like, okay, that's 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 a money question. Couple couple things take away insights that God's given me. One is Lottie Dottie, everybody develops their emotional foundation from their childhood. Yep. Facts. I'm not a PhD. I'm not a psychol behavioral psychologist from Harvard. That's facts. Yep. Everybody develops their emotional foundation from their childhood. Whether you had Leave it to Beaver childhood or you had Jerry Springer childhood, which is what pe most people have. It's mostly <laughs> Jerry Springer stuff, right? <laughs> we all develop yep. emotional dysfunction from, okay, that's, so, so that's number one. So, so number one. Number two, based on number one, Nobody leaves their childhood emotionally unscathed. Right. Nobody. 
That's principle, emotional principle number two. Number three is what happened to you in your childhood isn't your fault, but it is your responsibility to heal and grow from. Love that. What happened to you in your childhood is not your fault, but it is your responsibility to heal and grow from. I was molested when I was five. Mm. Well, for many years, I was like, well, crap, you know, if I had... If I had done this, or if I had done that, or if I had said this, if I had said that, it, it never would have happened. Well, I was five. What am I going to – the guy was a grown – he was uh, probably 23, 24, 25, maybe 28 at the time, 30 at the time. I have no idea. Um, what, what am I going to – what's a five-year-old going to do to a, a grown adult man, right? Nothing. Like, I got nothing. So, so, so I had to realize – so that was a huge principle for me is like, Noble – whatever emotional injuries I collected and acquired in my childhood was not my fault, but it is my responsibility to heal and grow from. Because as long as we assume that victim role, we, we have no control over it, right? right? As long as I think my problems or even some percentage of my problems are your fault, Ed, I can't do anything until you do something about it. And if you choose to do nothing about it, I'm stuck like Chuck forever. Right? So, so the, that victim mindset, it, there's no positive that comes from a victim. There's zero, nothing, 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 nothing. Other than maybe it somehow maybe feels good in some weird, uh, you know, sadistic way, which, and again, I, I've, I have played, I've maybe not a PhD in the victim mindset, but probably at least a master's degree in the victim mindset, right? And so, like, it's not like I'm, oh, hey, you know, all you people that are playing the victim or faking the funk on the nasty dunk. No, I've done it. I've done the victim thing. So it's, it just, I had to realize, number one, that that's not a helpful mindset. There's nothing productive that comes from it. But again, that, that, Okay, so once I, so anyway, so once I understood some of those principles, and it, it it helped me to because here's the thing too, because I hated myself so much, and despised myself and was disgusted, and I knew God was disgusted at me because I sucked and I'm a loser and I'm a sinner and nobody sins like I do and you know my sins are are outside the grace of God and. God didn't think about noble when he, when he sent his son to die on the cross for me, right? All this twisted, crazy, jacked up theology. But, but, but again, tell me emotions don't affect our theology, right? And that was all emotional dysfunction that created a narrative. I had my own playlist based on emotion that affected my actual theology, and and my and it was and it was terrible and so and so so finally I was talking to 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 a couple they were kind of kind of a therapist kind of couple and the the wife's like so so noble so you do you do you honestly think dude that you, are, are so what what are are you actually telling me that the creator of the universe in this case Jesus the son of God that 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 the creator of the universe, his death and sacrifice and resurrection was not good enough for you. Is mm. that, is that what I'm hearing you say, bro? Like that. So like of all the billions of people that have ever lived and lived, like you're telling me your sin, like the creator of the universe, when he died and resurrected that somehow. And I was like, Oh crap. Like, it totally exposed my perverted theology, my twisted theology. I was like, crap, like, well, that can't be right. That's, that's not right. Like, cause he's the career. So, well then, so then it just like, Oh crap. So I'm basing all of this, this performance based relationship with the Lord based on bad theology. Yeah. Right. Cause I'm like, well, I know God's not happy with me because I'm this bad, evil sinner. And, you know, like all because of my emotional dysfunction. So when I understood some of those principles, because like, here's another thing too, Big Ed, this is money, bro. <laughs> I could not fully accept and embrace and assimilate and receive 
God's promises for me because of my emotional dysfunction. You tell me, Big Ed, you tell me, bro, how many Christians, how many of us are actually living to our full potential? (laughs) And tell me that our emotional dysfunction is not one of the major culprits. Yeah, I if if I had to just take a shot in the dark, it's less than 1%, not only of Christians but of everyone on the planet. And emotion, emotional dysfunction is if it's not the key contributor, it's a top 3 key contributor. As a follow-up to this, this is this is where my mind went as you were describing this because you were in your mid 40s when you really showed this willingness and desire to address some really deep rooted, I mean, with a lot of, you know, tentacles to those roots to, you know, dig those up and address them and stare at them. And that, that is incredibly terrifying. And because you have to, you have to push into the pain and then you get on the other side of that to the extent that we do get on the other side of that. How do you not fall back into the victim mentality where you now regret not having addressed that sooner? Oh well, dude, I, I, I think I think it's I think it's accept the fact that that's common, right? Yeah. That, but but that's part of the healing process. Like yeah. that is a phase. That's a like okay, here comes that uh, the next okay. So I'm I'm on one hilltop. Oh snap! Okay, I'm going to climb up another hilltop. That other hilltop of, oh tr- man, I w- yeah. At some point, man, maybe one of these days I'll be able to break this down. But that is absolutely one of the. I, I, man, I was f- so of the fifty intense emotions I had when I discovered, like, oh crap, I have. I've thought this entire time the sky is blue, but it's actually green, right? Like it, that level of like found like foundation rocker, like spiritual foundational rocker how dare you how could you possibly not let me learn this lesson until i'm in the third quarter of my life right at least half time but but probably possibly the third quarter of my life why why on earth would you let me learn this now and not when I'm 10, 15, 20, 20, anything before 40 or 50, right? Yeah. That was one of the phases. I was mad at God. Like, dude, how much more effective could I have been in your kingdom if I had learned this stuff four decades ago, three decades ago, two decades ago, right? And and again, that was part of my victim mindset, right? Like, okay, well, yeah. I you know, I can't take responsibility. This is your fault, God, right? This is your, you know, so that was definitely one of the phases that I, that I had to go through and and work through. But, but wait, 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 before you say anything else, but check this out though, bro, check this out. Here's what I want to say about that. And God's okay with it. Yeah. God's okay with my, all my doubt. Like dude, numbers 13 and 14 are two of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible, bro. Two of my favorite chapters, and and, and it, you know it's the you know where, where you know God tells Big Mo Ranger Moses, hey go set go get the twelve you know the twelve generals from the twelve tribes you know what I'm saying go check, do a leaders recon of the land of milk and honey bro you know what I'm saying and and and, uh, and right and then they go boom they do they go do the leaders recon the twelve generals they come back and ten of the generals bust out CNN right MSNBC mainstream media. Oh my gosh, you know, yes, there's big, you know, there's, there's, there's great, it's lush, the most beautiful property ever, but I mean, they're they're giants and they're massive and we're going to get smoked and they're going to smoke us like cheap cheap cigars and we're screwed. And, and then chapter, well, okay. So then Ranger, you know, Caleb steps up 80 years old, by the way, says, bro, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to tear these guys up, man. God already said he promised us the the, the property anyway. and, And, and so in, in, Chapter 14, somewhere in the early, like maybe verse four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, somewhere in the first handful of verses, God said, he does the men in black. He busts out his giant pen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the old men in black. 
<laughs> the whole nation freezes, right? And then he, he goes to Big Moses and says, Moses, how long do I have to deal with these knuckleheads? He's like, I just pulled all your, your boneheads out of Egypt. I just rocked 10 super dope miracles with these knuckleheads. And five minutes later, they're already trying to pull a Nolan Ryan and stone you. How, like, how long do I have to deal with these guys, right? And I'm like, yeah, you tell them, God, like, you should smoke them all, right? These knucklehead Israelites, right? And then God's like, uh, well, Noble, the Israelites are actually like, dude, that's how many miracles do I have to do for you, Noble? Right? Like, then he he pokes me in the eyeballs like, McFly, you're just as boneheaded as these Israelites are. Like, how many, you know what I'm saying? And so it, it's it's like God is not afraid of our big failures. He's not afraid of our, of our big emotions. He's not afraid of us doubting. Like he, he made us, he knows the the degree of our depravity. He knows like, in fact, one of my favorite memes, I've seen a meme recently. It's like when God created you, when it's, it's, it's better than the, the actual meme is better than this, but I don't remember it. So it's something like, when God created you, when God created you for your purpose, he already factored in your stupidity. Love that. Which is true. Love that. You know it's true. It's absolutely true. Yep. And and the fact, this is another thing I love about the Bible, is like, look at all the people that God used to accomplish his will on the planet. They were all jack wagons. Yep. They were all chuckleheads, man. I'm like, well, man, if God can use these guys, bro, hey, God, right here, brother, use Big Poppy. It reminds me of a meme that I, I I saw a number of months ago, and I posted it on my social media. It says, God doesn't call, call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And that resonates so much with me, especially with, you know, it's not my credit to take, because this is turning into a ministry of sorts. And I'm a jack wagon that has no business starting a ministry, and yet this thing is you know is moving forward. Um, so I I love everything that you said just then, and you because you reference you know God's not afraid, He's not afraid of anything, and yet we get af af afraid of seemingly everything until we're not. Um, you, you you're a certified emotional intelligence practitioner. And one question I wanted to make sure and get to before we before we closed the conversation was, what's your general perception of emotional intelligence? Because I'm familiar with the you know the the components of it and the application of it, but there are still far too many people that look at something like that as being really touchy and feely, and it's all about getting in fully in touch with your emotions. It's just you know, and it doesn't really have you know, any legs to it. And yet in your life, in my life, when you look at the elements, social awareness, or sorry, self-awareness, social awareness, you know, self or self-management and relationship management, you look at those components of it. It's like, my gosh, this has application in every aspect of our lives. So what would you tell someone, particularly let's make this more specific. What would you tell a young man today who's trying to navigate these really I'll be nice these strange cultural dynamics and and heck even men our age that are trying to navigate so they don't get canceled Jason Aldean how how would you go about and say hey look this is a tool you can use and it's not this touchy feely stuff this is actually a really highly practical thing that you can use that can transform your life for the better excellent question so for me, EQ is about effectiveness. It's about effectiveness. It's about effectiveness in God's kingdom. If you want to minimize your effectiveness, go through God's kingdom with little to no EQ like I did. And, 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 and on a scale of 1 to 10, your effectiveness can be a, 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 a raging 2 on a scale from 1 to 10. And... And you can say and tell yourself that ignorance is bliss. Or you can see more and feel more and perceive more and understand more 
by growing your emotional intelligence and your emotional awareness, self, self and socially and spiritually, and you can 10x, 50x, 100x your effectiveness in God's kingdom. Hmm. You know, the, 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 you know, 30, 60, 100 fold effectiveness. Now, is that biblical, right? Because that's one question I always ask. Is it biblical, right? Is it biblical that, hey, where does it say in the Bible that EQ is important? Uh, you know, obviously it doesn't say, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say EQ is important in God's kingdom. I, I will argue that in the Bible, there are a thousand examples of people that had more EQ than others. And I can make plenty of like legit cases and, and arguments for that kind of thing. And then, and then attach it to potentially their effectiveness. So, 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 so that's, so, so, so there's, there's that piece of it. And, and then, so here's a, here's another analogy. Okay. This is money. First Corinthians 12, right? It's one of my, my Romans 12 and first Corinthians 12. Both are chapters about gifts, the gifts that God's given us. And, and I like specifically first Corinthians 12 because it, it, it makes the analogy about our gifts and, and the, the body of Christ or one body, but many members. So, so here's a couple, a couple questions along that analogy. If you don't know what part of the body you're supposed to be in, how effective will you be? Hmm. If you have no idea. And, and 1 Corinthians 12, one body, many part. And it goes on to say, well, if you're the eye, the eye cannot say to the ear, I don't need you. And you know, if the nose can't, you know, can't say it right. So, how, and I don't remember the details, but you concepts. So, so if you don't know what part of the body you are, how effective are you going to be? Number two, if you know what part of the body you are, but you're not in the right position in the body. So, I, so let's say for the very small percentage, I would argue the very small percentage of Christians out there that do know what part of the body they're supposed to be in which I think is the minority versus the majority, the minority. Oh, I'm the elbow. Okay. I'm in the body. I'm the elbow, but I'm playing the big toe. <laughs> right. How is my effectiveness going to be in the body? If I, I know I'm the elbow, but I'm playing the big toe. That's a double lose loop, right? So it's a lose because, well, at least I know I'm the elbow, but I'm playing the big toe. So, I'm going to feel like, wow, this kind of doesn't feel right. I'm not kind of being as effective and not having the impact. Da, da, da. And the, and my right foot is going to be like the other, the four other toes are going to be looking at me like, uh, you don't look like you fit in. You don't feel like you fit in. You're not super effective there. Right. So it's also going to be a detriment to the body. Yeah. But when the elbow is playing the role that I'm supposed to be playing, in the position that I'm supposed to be playing in, how can that benefit me, right? What's that going to do for me? And what's it going to do for the body, right? So that's where EQ comes in, man. It's like it, it increases our awareness of uh, and, and our effectiveness of, of where and when and how and who, right? We can be and should be in the body. And then dude, so then, then this one too. So this one, uh, um, second, so I've got second Timothy chapter one, verses six and seven on my knuckles. Right. And then, and then verse six, second Timothy one, six is this image on my left hand, which is a gift, a present mm. that you'd find under your Christmas tree. And it's on fire. That's verse six fan into flame. The gift that God has given you, verse 7, for he has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but of power of love and of sound mind. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. So the, the last part of this answer would be, and this is why I have this tattoo, is a reminder, as a memorial stone for me from God, noble, my gifts are not for you. My gifts that I have given you are not for you. They're for the body. Mm. And it has only been through me getting emotionally healing and emotionally growing and emotional intelligence 
that has enabled me to become, from Matthew 25, 14 to 30, the parable of talents, he's got the three employees, the five-talent guy, two-talent guy, and the one-talent guy. Yep. I feel like my whole life, God has given me five talents, but I've behaved like the one-talent guy because of my fear and timidity, my fear of man, my, my insecurities, my, my imposter syndrome, my emotional neediness, my emotional dependent, codependency, all my emotional dysfunction. So now it's like, no, 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 no. No, I'm going to finally be the five-talent guy that's behaving like the five-talent guy. And because I've got that more, again, the uh, emotionally healthier and stuff, I don't, I, and I, I'm not, I don't have the the same degree of my people pleasing addiction that I used to. I'm, I'm I've still have some because I've noticed it pop up here and there. But now, listen, you, God will never cancel me. That's right. Let man I, cancel me. I don't care. What and like, dude, God controls my destiny. Not, not, not me. I mean, and, and anyway, we can go. My, my point is like cancel culture. Screw who cares? Who cares what man thinks? Now I can say that now I can say that now. Oh man. Whoa. Noble sounds really bold. I can say that now and actually live that out. But four or yeah. five years ago, Oh, it was all about what Ed and everyone else thought about me. Right. Because I had no EQ, low EQ, people pleaser addict, all that other stuff. Yeah. As, as we get ready to wrap it, it just, it's an interesting, it's interesting you went down that road because once we have recognition of something, we have the next decision to make. And that decision is, do we take personal responsibility to do everything that you just articulated or do we continue down the road of victim mentality? And to me, the, the choice is obvious. One is helpful and potentially transformative, while the other just keeps us in a negative spiral. So I appreciate you sharing all those thoughts. How can anyone listening learn more about you and your work? EQGangster.com is the website. EQ Gangster is the podcast and the YouTube. On social media, it's primarily my name, Noble Gibbons, N-O-B-L-E-G-I-B-B-E-N-S, on LinkedIn, on Instagram, and on Facebook. Wonderful. EQGangster.com. I love that. Noble, before we wrap, would you mind closing us out in prayer? Absolutely, brother. Let's do it. Heavenly right. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity, God, to fellowship and to get sharpened, Proverbs 27, 17. Thanks for big Ed, Lord. And I just pray that you would, I pray a hedge of protection around, around him, about, around his family, and around the calling that you've blessed him with, Lord. The ministry, Lord, I pray that you bless, bless the, all the work of his hands, Lord. And I pray that you would continue to keep us teachable and coachable and malleable before you, Lord. Soften our hearts where, where we've had emotional injuries or trauma or whatever god i just pray lord that you that we would give you access to our hearts mentally emotionally physically spiritually and that you would do your work and and help us to do to do our part of that as well uh, james 2 14 to 26 you believe there is one god good even the demons believe and shudder faith if it is not accompanied by actions is dead so help us god to do the our part in, in that in that in our healing process as well lord and, and, and thank you for the gift, the amazing gift, priceless gift of having a personal relationship with you, Lord. And I just pray that, that everyone listening to this podcast, watching the YouTube, Lord, that you would help us discover our gifts and superpowers and strengths that you have given us and that, that we can learn how to submit, commit, and surrender those gifts to you to make this world and the body of Christ a better place and to do that boldly with love and a sincere, kind heart, Lord. We ask all these things in your most precious name, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Noble, this was outstanding. Thank you so much for sharing your story and testimony. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Big Ed. You rock like ZZ Top, brother. <laughs> God bless.
You can contact the show at it's not my credit to take.com. We'd love to hear from you. God bless.